Well, this morning, I already preached a whole message when I stood up. So I'm going to go message number two. Well, you know, the, the wonderful thing about Scripture is that it encourages us when we read the examples that are set therein. And I have my Bible open up before me here today. I'm blessed with the Bible. The early church did not have a Bible. The early church scarcely had a scroll. The early church was not a result of the New Testament, or I could rephrase that. The New Testament church was not a result of the New Testament, but the New Testament was produced as a result of the New Testament church. In other words, I'm reading, I have the book of Acts open up in front of me. And even though I have it open up in front of me and I'm going to be telling you what transpired there. When this transpired in AD 33, there was no Acts of the Apostles. There was no Matthew's Gospel. There was no Mark. There was no Luke. There was no John. There was no Gospels. At this time that I'm looking at here, that Acts, that Luke is recording Acts, there was no Romans, there was no Corinthians, there was no Ephesians, nor Thessalonians, nor Colossians, or anything. The New Testament was produced years after the early church got started. As a matter of fact, I sometimes wonder how is it that Matthew remembered everything when he wrote years after Jesus was gone? And that is why I have to, I'm so privileged that I have not only Matthew, but Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Matthew and John were two apostles. Mark and Luke were not apostles. And so... Matthew would probably write the things he remembered and try to get some information from some of his fellow apostles. Uh, John, who existed longer than I think most of them, could remember some of the events. And you find that John recorded things that Matthew did not record. Amazingly, Luke that came after all of these men, he was not an apostle but he gathered information from everyone, and I'm so glad he existed. Because if Luke, that half-Gentile convert, he was a physician. If he did not come on the scene, I would not have the Acts of the Apostles to read from today. I would not have the Gospel of Luke to read from today. And what, what Luke captured was not just repeating what Matthew or John said, was trying to find what they did not say and what, was, what happened and record that. So I've said this a million times, that you take Luke away, and so we don't have the Acts of the Apostles, then we would not know what happened on the day of Pentecost. An important event like the day of Pentecost would not even be heard about if Luke was not there. Surprising. 
I would think every one of the apostles will be talking about it, but only Luke talked about it. Only Luke recorded the conception, the miraculous conception of John the Baptist and how he was, his parents, uh, Zacharias and Elizabeth prayed and God gave them a son in their old age. His name was John. And because of Luke's writing, we understand that John did not follow the normal, normal pattern of the priesthood. It was very strict how a priest dressed. While John violated all of that, even though he was the son of a priest, he was dressed in camel's hair and ate locusts and wild honey. I imagine he was a wild-looking man because he spent most of his time taking training in the, in the desert. See, God did not have to undo what the world did to John because the world didn't have a chance to do anything to him. Isn't that amazing? He didn't go to seminary. He didn't go to Bible school. He didn't go to the school of the Pharisees or the Sadducees. He was just outside of the box. No finesse. He walked out of there and says, you two-legged snakes, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? What a rough man. The people are coming to ask to repent. He says, bring forth repentance. Signs of repentance. Don't just come and ask me to baptize you. I refuse. And he reminded me of my early days when I would refuse to dedicate people and refuse to baptize individuals. And so I ended up putting that responsibility to Brother Sam and Brother John. You baptize them, I will bury them. So Brother Sam did the marriage. Brother John and Brother Sam baptized them. And I buried them. It's better to do the burial because you know if they were hypocrites or not hypocrites. And if you were a hypocrite and I have to do your funeral, your funeral, I would not say anything that is not true. Oh, I wouldn't tell everybody you were a hypocrite. I would try to avoid that subject. But I would try to talk about the possibility of a resurrection and who would make it in. So as I open this book and I look at it, there are so many areas of example that I can follow. I can't follow everything they did. I can't even follow everything Jesus did. One day Jesus put his foot out. He sat down there and put his foot out like that. And a woman started to cry on his foot. A woman that he had forgiven from her sins. And when he put his foot out she cried on it and washed his feet with her tears and then she went she had gotten a box of ointment that was very expensive and she started to put that on his feet well I don't know Chandri you want to get some expensive ointment and rub my feet no, she would not do that. She preferred to send that for, to get some cutlery or something like that for her new kitchen. Oh, of course, if I'm sick, there are individuals that will pay attention to look after me. But I can't follow everything Jesus did. Jesus told his disciples, sisters, when you make a trip, don't take two coats for your journey. Don't carry a purse or... Uh, some script for your journey. Right. 
Now, I'm about to book a flight to go see Brother Philip Kempadu. If that's possible, I still have to talk to Sister Aziman and find out if that's okay. Um, I can have a cheap flight. And I told Sister Indira, I'll pay for my own flight uh, to save the church that expense. Because if, you know, God has given us a church and he gives us enough to take care of our expenses. Now listen to me carefully. I'm going to move back to Acts here in a minute. But God, if everyone in the church pays their tithes and support the, or the church with their offerings, we would not have to borrow money from anywhere, Sister Indira. We don't have to use a line of credit. We don't have to borrow money to, to fill the needs. If everyone in the church is faithful, and that is why God give, us to, give you to us, but if you fail to do your part, God will find a way that the rocks will praise him if the saints can't. And so when I'm looking at the Acts of the Apostles, they had a very dedicated and committed way to the church. Um, the song we were singing, I come here to praise your name. And uh, there was some other statement made in that song that I try to write it down. And it says here, it, it was something to do with my favorite place. My favorite place in all the world is here at my Savior's feet. My favorite place in all the world is this church. My favorite place. Where's your favorite place? Church. I mean, I love my home. I love my backyard. I love to sit out there. But my favorite place in all the world is this church. And... That is why when I come on in, I'm looking for staff, for men who can see what I can see. You know, some of us, we come on into church, and uh, I'll tell you a little story. I'm a person that tells stories, Sister Andrea. I tell a lot of stories. And one day, I'm sitting at work while I deal security, and one of the hypocritical board of directors, he called me and was telling me a story. And I listen to stories. Sometimes, if the devil has a good story, I listen to it. You know, when Balaam, who God judged and destroyed, there was a period of Balaam's life where God used him. And I've got to be able to find out who God is using. Is this, is this father-in-law Moses a good man? He is a pagan man. But God told Moses, whatever Jethro tells you to do, do it. He's correct. Sometimes the ungodly has some good moral advice for children of God. Some good financial advice for children of God. And sometimes the ungodly are more meticulous in living to exist in this society than the godly people. God did not call us just to shout hallelujah and live like the devil. He called us to walk circumspectly and not as fools, redeeming the time because the days are evil. And these are things when that board of director called me, told me there are two kinds of birds that we need to pay attention to. So I said, two kinds of birds? I love birds. He says, two kinds of birds. One is the raven, which is like a crow, and the other is a lark which is a, just a regular bird. 
And he told me this, this account, he says, when the lark flies up into the sky, it soars right up. And from the way it flies, you can tell it's admiring the landscape of the earth. It is seeing the hills and the valleys and the rippling waterfalls, and the brooks and the waterfalls. It is look, it's looking for the flowers that are so beautiful. The zinnias, the daffodils, the roses, the tulips, Whatever there is, the petunas, all these flowers, he's seeing the beauty of God's creation. And that is so important because if you develop that mentality, that when you look, you look for the beauty, not only of God's creation, but in people's lives. Right? He says, but when, you know, Brother Gary, he said, when the raven goes up, He's not looking for tulips and daffodils and zinnias and mountains and valleys and hills and beautiful foliage. No, he's looking for dead flesh or rodents, rats and mice and carcasses. And that is so sad. When I develop the mind of a raven, I come on in and I only see wrong things. I look at you and your one flaw I magnify and it makes my world a very depressing place to live and so every day I'm depressed because all I see is the bad things in people ignore the bad things and look for the good things and your life would be one of victory even though things things around you might not be pleasant try to find that single good that perks up your life in this society. And I tried it so many times and it really works. You walk out and look for an opportunity to do good than for that disastrous situation that you want to criticize and condemn. Amen. You know everybody has a little good in them. No matter how much evil a person might have, there might be a trace of good that you can find. That speck of good, like the old country and western movies, they say a spark of good in Ringo. Bad guy, but there was a spark of good. And you can find that good in someone, it makes your world a better place to live in. And so when I'm thinking of the best place on this planet, to, to, for me to go, the best place is this church. I love the church. I love, David said, I love the habitation of God's house and the place where his honor dwelleth. Paul said, forsake not the assembling of yourself together as the manner of some is. As much as we see the day approaching. And so when you walk in here... This is a sanctuary. This is a beautiful place. Let's honor the sanctuary. Let's honor God. Uh, there are scriptures I use in the past that says about honoring the sanctuary. And so when I look at the examples of scripture, and today I'm, I'm not going to rush very long in this message because we spent half an hour just in the worship service. And in Acts of the Apostles, Luke is writing here, and he tells us that when Jesus had commissioned his disciples to go back in chapter 1, he says, go back 
and uh, wait for the promise of the Holy Ghost, uh, which will come not many days hence. Uh, verse 6, And when they therefore were come together, they asked him, saying, Lord, wilt thou at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? Now, he spent three and a half years talking to these people. <laughs> I call them people. His disciples, three and a half years, Jesus talked to them and preached to them. And yet, they come now, he's ready to go back, and they can't understand the word of God like he preached. The thief on the cross did not ask a dumb question like the disciples are asking. The thief on the cross, when he turned to Jesus, he says, Lord, remember me when you come in your kingdom. Now, what did that thief understand? He understood that Jesus will die. He understood that Jesus will be resurrected. And he understood that Jesus will come back in the future sometime to establish the kingdom. And he, even though he would be dead as a thief, he would come forth in the resurrection and hope that Jesus remember him when he come to establish the kingdom of God. Now, that was wisdom. Where was this man when Jesus preached those messages? He didn't read about him. But he was around. And he heard what the regular people in church did not hear. He listened with his heart in anticipation of the kingdom of God. The people that were there, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Amen. Amen. Amen to what? I don't know. Everybody's saying Amen. Now, he listened and he understood. And so the disciples who were not as smart and subtle when it comes to scripture, they said, Lord, are you going to restore the kingdom? When are you going to do it? We want some thrones to sit on. You know, and that is a funny thing because people in the body of Christ, they all, oh, everybody feel they're going to rule and reign with Christ. Not in a million years. If we're all going to sit on thrones, who's going to be the ones be standing before us? If everybody's going to be a ruler, who's going to be able to take care of the property and the land and the farms? The bride of Christ is made up of a selected few. When Adam, God was ready to give him a bride, he put Adam to sleep and took a rib out of the body of Adam, which is a type. Adam is a type of Christ, and Adam's whole body was asleep, and all God needed to make a wife for him was one rib. Now, that might be parabolic or whatever, but it's a good parable. All you need is a portion. If Adam's whole body was used, he wouldn't have anything else but his head. But just a rib was extracted. And as I tried to use my better judgment in making that, using that as a parabolic uh, a statement, uh, trying to see how best I can align it with symbolism for the church. If that is so true, the church is asleep today. Let me change that around. I can't just say the church is asleep. That does not aggravate people enough. The body of Christ, like the body of Adam, might be in deep slumber while God is reaching into that body to pull a rib out. I hope we are a part of that rib. 
I don't see the indication. I feel the message is real. But then I'm looking to find out how much the message is changing lives. I can't find that as much as I would like to. Because like Jesus said, sometimes we are dull of understanding. And so I feel like the whole body of Christ is in deep slumber. And when you're in slumber, you're having a dream. You ever had a dream that you're flying? I had one. I dreamt one time I was really flying. That's a dream. I woke up and fell on the ground. I was flying to the ground. A dream does not last long. It's just a matter of seconds. And so I dreamt I was flying. Unfortunately, I was not flying. It was just a dream. And a lot of times we can dream of something great. Dream. You know the biggest con? <clears throat> the biggest con is the person that cons themselves. It's one thing for my doorbell to ring and a man comes to sell me something and he's trying to sell me something that is, does not have reality in what he's selling me and I get conned. You ever got, did you ever get conned? I talked to a policeman one time and he was in New York City and he got conned. He was a detective, very good friend of mine. And he said he was in New York City and he's driving his car and there was a van pulled side of the road and this man come up and says, um, excuse me. So he stopped. He says, what's, what's happening? The man says, I'm selling. I've got a good deal and a bunch of televisions and I'm selling them. You know, in those days, we didn't have flat screen televisions. We had the big, you know, the big televisions. Uh, when a small television like this drop on you, you're dead. You know, like it's thick. Uh, so he said they had a nice big television like this. In a box, brand new, sealed up. The guy says, listen, you know, I've got his television. And I can't remember. You know, in those days, you buy one of those for about $800. He says, I've got this. I'll give you a deal because i got a bunch for 200 bucks. So he says, sure. i take it. 200 bucks is not a lot. Take the 200, put his television, and took it home. Detective. The man that goes out to find out who has robbed you, he is the detective. And when he took his television home, he put it down, feels everything feels right. There's no power. The cord and everything is there, but you try to turn it on, there is no power. What happened? He said he decided to open it up to find the inside of the television was completely removed. And a big piece of metal was put in there to give it the weight. You got con by a con. You got took. Isn't that something? You got took by a con man on the street. Well, that's not as bad as when you stand up every morning and you look yourself in the mirror and you know you're a hypocrite and you're telling everybody you're going to be in the first resurrection. Oh, Lord, I want to be in that first resurrection. I'm just one day closer to the kingdom. Which kingdom? Kingdom of this world or the kingdom of God? If you're one day closer to the kingdom, it means your life is more sanctified than it was the day before. 
But if you're singing just to give you goosebumps and there's no reality to your, to your song, it means you have conned yourself. It's not somebody selling your television that's a fake. It's you conning yourself with a concept that is not real. You know the best thing for a child of God to do, be honest with yourself. If you got problems, you got problems. If you feel like you're not up to that level yet, then you know you're not there, but you're not reached there yet. You have not apprehended yet that which the Lord has apprehended you for, but you're pressing towards that prize for the mark, the mark of the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. You're still working on it. Yes, Amen? Amen? You're still working on it, and that's honesty, someone says, is the best policy. And so, my gosh, time runs on me. So let's, let's see, I need 15 minutes more. And so in Acts of the Apostles, when Jesus was there, they asked about the kingdom of God being restored. And uh, you know what happened, Jesus, when they <clears throat> beheld, as they looked steadfast, in verse 10, while they looked steadfast towards heaven, as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel. Jesus just ascended into heaven, and they watched as he went up, and then suddenly they saw two men standing in white apparel. Two angels were appeared to them. And these angels said in verse uh, 11, You men of Galilee, why stand ye gazing into heaven? This same Jesus which is taken up from into heaven shall come in like manner as you see him go. <clears throat> now, when the angel says, now listen carefully, I'm standing there. She said, yes, Jesus just went up and the angel appeared and says, as you see him go, you'll see him return in like manner. I will believe that I'll be alive when he's coming back. As I see him go, I'm going to see him come back. But that was not meant for them. That was meant, they did not even understood that it would be 2,000 years from that time. So they re returned to Jerusalem greatly rejoicing. And so they went and they started to tarry in the upper room. It says here, um, oh, I missed my verse. He says, and they all continued, verse 14, chapter 1, uh, in, in according in prayer and supplication. They went and they started to pray and started to seek after God. You know, the secret for your spiritual growth and development is prayer. And the best time to pray is early in the morning. When it is quiet and everybody else is asleep. Wake yourself up. Set an alarm and wake yourself up. And get down there and pray. And if you're to be the one preaching that day, make sure you pray. Sometimes you have Brother Sam pray. Brother Sam preach. And sometimes Brother John. When you're ready to come and preach to the people, make sure in the morning... But I'm saying, I know all the scriptures. No, no, no. Not what you know. It's what you can generate to the people. Right? Because if I don't pray, I might be a dud. Well, I know all the scriptures. Yes, I know them scriptures. And, you know, I sit there and I analyze myself. That's why I listen to myself all the time. And I hope you brothers listen to yourself. What you preach, you go back and listen. So you can criticize yourself. 
Uh, because I do that. I criticize myself and I say, you know what, I'm quoting that one scripture all the time. To pull a wool over the eyes of the people. I'm asking myself, am I doing the right thing? Well, I want to tell you, uh, you know, I'm going to quote this scripture um, and quote the same scripture all the time and it makes me feel good like I know the word of God and you feel good, but I'm a dud. Because if there's no life in me, I can't give you life. Amen. So prayer is important. If you're an ushering, we don't have ushering staff. We've got people that only show up on a Sunday. We don't have ushering staff. And Brother Sam, um, <clears throat> well, you don't even come on a Wednesday. So uh, we, we got to figure it out. We need people. If the brothers can't usher, we use the sisters. Do you understand what I'm saying? If the brothers fail, we'll use the sisters. If the brothers can't preach with anointing, see if we can get some sisters. Just Joyce, you want to preach next week? No, she says no. <laughs> okay. Now, you understand what I'm saying? We need to keep the work of God going. When I walk in here on a Wednesday night, I need to see individuals are here. Brother Gregory, you need to be a little bit more involved. Brother Terry, you don't just need to come five minutes before church or after the service starts. You live in the building. You all need to get involved, get dressed and become an usher or something. You know, you don't have to be all that high level spiritually to fill in the gap. Help to shoulder my responsibility. The ushering staff is to be there to prepare the service for when the pastor comes, he's got a church all ready and prepared. But the ushers need to pray also. If you're going to do anything in that service, pray. The early church has a good example. They prayed steadfastly in supplication. You know what supplication? Well, God, where is the prayer list? Oh, God, here. Uh, dear Lord, Heavenly Father, Maker of Heaven and Earth, Almighty, Most uh, Omnipotent Father, Oh God, <laughs> you know, I bring all them saints before you. Brother Raleigh and Sister Marjorie, I pray for Brother Joe, I pray for, you know, I'm, I'm, no, prayer is not a shopping list. Supplication. Sit down and feel for that individual you're praying. Are they going to die? Am I going to have one chance to bring them before God? And if you can't get your prayer in your spirit and start to supplicate before God, you've wasted your prayer. We're not to say prayers. We're to pray prayers. And the disciples did that in supplication. It doesn't mean your whole life will be changed afterwards because you can pray in supplication and do all of that and still the devil comes around and uses you. Because I can pray for five hours and when I come here and I start to preach, I feel that utterance is given unto me. And I start to preach and the devil turns down around, he comes with whispers in my ears. You see, you got an anointing. You see them? They're saying amen. You got an anointing. You're a great man. You see, the devil can come and tell me that. Right in my ears. And even though I prayed, I come and my prayer is undermined by the devil's voice and pride comes in 
and I start to exalt myself. I did a great job, huh? I just got defeated by my own message. We've got an enemy that's not a sly old fox. He took the wisest man, king that ever lived on this earth and made an idiot out of Solomon. Solomon, even though he was wise, when the devil was done with him, I use the word done, but really when the devil was finished with him, he put altars in the temple to accommodate his ungodly wives. Ungodly children sometimes. Not only ungodly spouse, but ungodly children, ungodly friends, ungodly workplace. See, this message today, from the time we started the worship service and I spoke to you, is designed to change your life and your attitude. I'm not here to educate you. I'm here to influence you to live godly. See, that's the purpose of me being in this church is to influence you, and in the process, it's a two-edged sword, it comes back and helps me to live godly. You know, I sat over there, closed my eyes, I said, God help me to live godly. Right there, this morning. Because I want God to help me to live, to please Him. And these disciples, when they got there, they were praying. And so we all need to come to that place. If you're going to be used in God, of God in that service, then make sure you touch God before the service got started. Whether you're in the ushering department, when we come back to that place, if we open back the nursery and we have all of these things going, we make sure whatever department we work in, if you're playing in the band, pray in the morning. Otherwise, you put your damnable spirit upon us. When David, Saul, when Saul, King Saul had evil spirits upon him, David took his harp and he went up to, to, to King Solomon. And he started to sing, A rock of my soul in the bosom of Abraham, a rock of my soul. Is that what he's done? No. He was not rocking the soul. He was not jiving the hips. He might have been singing, The Lord is my shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. I not want. He makes me down to lie. In pastures green, He leadeth me beside the waters by. My soul He doth Restore again in presence of the king. You know, and he went on, and while he was praying, the evil spirit and Saul departed. That's a purposeful playing and singing. And when we come to that place where our band can drive out evil spirits from the lives of the people, and our worship can bring a connection with God, we are on our way to get victory. I sat in the office and looked at Indy. Indy will miss you when you're gone. She's gone for about a month. And I want you sisters that are taking over from her, don't rush the work of God. To Althea, 
Sister Joyce, you all make sure that she does not come disappointed back. Let her take a break. But I saw this morning and look at sat, sat the last night and I saw she tried to reach over for something. She says, ow, because her elbow, her joints hair has a serious problem. And I looked at that and I remember when that young man had problems, arthritis com completely engulf his body and he was sent home as a cripple. His legs could not even straighten out. His name was Dennis Backett and he's still alive living in Brampton. And miracles don't save anybody, but miracles can heal your body. And I remember as a young man, not married, I fasted and I prayed and went into Dennis Baggett's home. He still lives in Brantham today. And there he was, crippled. His legs were like that together and he was crippled and I fasted and prayed. I could not lift my voice because his parents were Presbyterians. They didn't believe in Pentecostal, you know, I didn't shake the room up. But I fast, prayed sincerely and asked God to heal him. And I went to a youth camp and came back in 10 days. Welcome service home, Rose Hall in Guyana. They had this big welcome service and the service went really good. And after service, this young man walked over to me, dark, he had glasses, black rim glasses. And he walked over, I remember his hairstyle, I remember how he looked. He came over, he says, Brother Desmond, it's good to have you back. So I said, oh, it's good to see you. You know, so when you see somebody, you remember them, but you don't remember them. Well, I was embarrassed that day because I know this guy, but I don't know this guy. He says, you don't recognize me, right? I said, well, honestly, no. He says, I'm Dennis Baggett you prayed for 10 days ago. Can you tell what I felt like at that time? Oh God, you can work miracles. And I believe God can still work miracles. It demands prayer and sacrifice and supplication before God. And God can work miracles. The early church apostles had this working with them. And it says they continue with one accord in prayer and supplication. And it says here... And the women and um, supplication and the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, was with his brethren. All Jesus's brothers had joined the group by then because they had started to believe. Jude and James, they were the brothers of Jesus and they had joined the group. And in those days, Peter stood up in the midst of the disciples and the number being about 100, about 120 and they talk about the Holy Ghost and they did some things there, you know, try to appoint somebody and, and it did not work. They tried to fill the gap that Judas uh, had fallen from. But I don't believe that's what the Lord wanted them to do. But you know, the devil can come on in and try to direct you. My speculation. And chapter 2 says, and when the day of Pentecost was fully come. See, God has a time and season for everything. In God's mind, he knows when Jesus is coming back. You and I, we know he's coming back soon. That's the idea. Get your lives ready. We can't set a date nor a time. God knows that. And when that time is come, 
it will happen. When the day of Pentecost was come, they were all in one accord, and then the Holy Ghost filled that place, and they all spake with tongues, not jibber and jabber. They spoke the languages of the people around. The Pentecost, the day of Pentecost, was phenomenal. It was real. I remember going to a church in, in, in Lincoln, Nebraska one time. The pastor invited me to go and I went over there and they were praying before church. We all got on our knees and I heard somebody start to say, do this. We did that when we were boys. You know, you got an old tire and you're running down the street and pretend it's a car and you're doing... Well, they were doing that in the church and guess what that was? Everybody started to do that. That was their tongues. Some other churches that teach the kids what to say, they say, come on. Say, he see Mataya, see Mataya. Ika Messiah. Huh? Ika Messiah, Ika Messiah, Ika Messiah. If you keep on saying that, <laughs> you would get the kids confused. Now, that's not the Holy Ghost, my friend. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all, every single one, they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and all spoke in the languages of the people that were around. And the Chinese, if there were any there, they would hear a man speaking in perfect Chinese, even though he was Hebrew. And the Spanish would hear them speak in Spanish, even though they were not Spanish. And everyone, there were, there were languages here. Uh, there were people, verse 9 says, Parsians and Medes and Elamites and dwellers of Mesopotamia and in Judea and Cappadocia and Pontus and Asia and uh, Phrygia and Pamphylia and in Egypt and all the parts of Lydia, etc., etc. Cretes and Arabians, we, we hear them speak in our tongues the wonderful works of God. It was not just gibberish. That's the Holy Ghost. Now we can fake all kinds of stuff, but I'm praying that God will give us the genuine Holy Ghost one more time in our midst before the Lord returns. The early church did some things that were classical examples for us. And just these couple of chapters here, I'm picking verses. And when this was all done, Peter stood up and preached. And he says here, he had memorized Joel's epistle. And he says, verse 17, and it shall come to pass in those days, the Lord said, I will pour my spirit upon all flesh. And he quoted Jeremiah. Uh, Joel's prophecy and you know as you come to the end of that chapter and there are sections here I'd like to get back sometime in the future but in verse 41 it says and when they <clears throat> gladly receive his word everyone was happy to hear the word of God they were happy to hear the word of God they were glad when they heard something new there are some people that follow me online that are glad when they hear a concept. One person wrote to me and said, Brother Singh, I never understood how I needed to serve God until I start to listen to the messages. Years, I've been in church 14 years in the body of Christ, 
And now I'm getting to understand how to serve God. They gladly received the word and were baptized. And the same day they were added unto the group three, about 3,000 souls. That was the power of God there. It was impressing people. And they continued. Everybody read for the rest of that chapter for me. And we'll call it quits. He says, and they continued to them who by patient continuance in well-doing seek for honor and glory and immortality and eternal life. Paul wrote to the Romans. To them who by patient, not today, in, tomorrow, out, no, continuance in well-doing. You know how many people started this race and are not here today because they could not continue? They're fickle in their choosing of activities in their life. They're individuals that are not sure where they should go. And to settle down in one church and to be worked on. You know, it's like I go to the doctor, I've got some problems in my body, and I go to the doctor and he says it's gonna take a couple of weeks. You ever went to the doctor and they give you a prescription drug? And you drink it and say, I don't feel, I don't feel any better. How are you feeling? No better. But what did the doctor say? 48 hours it'll take for it to take effect. But I want it to be done right away. Talk to my big brother. Doctor says you need some feral compound. So my big brother, God bless his soul, rest in peace. He went, he got a bottle of feral compound. He says, I can't wait one tablespoon, three times a day, he drank the whole bottle. And all the result was diarrhea. Maturity does not happen instantly. Spiritual growth does not happen. It's not a jack and the beanstalk story we are talking about. It's a daily continuance in well-doing. By patient continuance in well-doing, these individuals, they continued steadfastly, steadfastly, faithfully. You could depend on them. This is the early church. This is the church we need to copy. We would, if we copy the early church and follow their example, we'll have the same results. It says, in the apostles' teaching, the apostles are not here, but I'm here. And fellowship. Fellowship, someone says there's two fellows in the same ship. And breaking of bread, they met with each other and had meals together ever so often. That's right. You know, in Guyana, <clears throat> let, me, let me talk to you here today. We're not going to chit-chat after this is done. In Guyana, I'll tell you a secret. In Guyana, if we were fixing our kitchen, what would the saints do? Chandri? I can't hear you. They don't understand chip. People think you're giving chip. Do what? 
If we had no kitchen, Brother Sam, thank you. If we had no kitchen for a month every week, saints would bring food and cook it for us and bring it because we didn't have a kitchen. Not in Canada. Isn't that something? We had no kitchen for three months because our kitchen was being renovated. And there are some people here that has been faithful to us. Very faithful to us. A person that can be a classical example. We have Sister India, but your family, we don't count you in. Um, Sister Cindy here. There are some saints that will think about you and go out of the way. And Brother Gary, he's there. He's a man up at expense. But you know what? There's a streak of good in Ringo. He was one man during the pandemic that spent money that he didn't have and bring a box with groceries for us because I'm not rich. I just gave Indy a check to cover my trip to Florida. Where do you think I got it from? Where do you think I got the money from? I want a lottery. No, no, no. Line of credit. Because I told the Lord this morning, I said, Lord, you know, I've got all these things I'm putting on credit cards, on line of credit. I said, but you have never failed us. How can you make it? We don't know. We don't know. You ever heard American Express helping people? Well, the other day, I got a statement from American Express that they owe me $10,000. Remember I told you that? Indy, you remember I told you that? $10,000 American Express owe me money? Sure, I take it. But I took it with this unbelief in my mind that maybe they made a mistake and they would want it back. No, up to this day, we paid off a $10,000 bill that came on in. Because my kitchen cost, that whole thing cost about $70,000. My trip in Guyana is going to cost $6,000. But I have to do it. You have to go to Florida? Yes, I want to go in the sunshine with my Bermuda shorts and walk on the shores. No, a man is dying. And that's why I need to go see him before he's dead. He's dying. And you know this morning what my mind was? Can God heal that man and do something when I go visit him? I believe God. Yes, I'm not going to go just okay while well, I'm here to do final rites. No, I'm going to go and pray and ask God, can you do a miracle like we've seen you done so many times? Can you raise this man up? And when they, they have palliative care and they're ready to put him away, you bring him back to life. I believe that. God can do anything. I believe him. And if God doesn't do that, that's fine. But God can do that. The early church had an example. Five minutes more, I'm done. Okay. And it says, they're breaking bread. They met with each other's, each other. And they had meals to share. Breaking of bread here is not communion. They had meals they shared with each other. And fear of God came upon every soul. And here's what the result. Because of their commitment, many wonders and signs were done by the apostles. Even Jesus could not do miracles in Capernaum because when he went there, the people had no faith and belief. And the Bible says when Jesus went to Capernaum, he could not work any miracles because of their unbelief.
I believe that if we start to get committed and dedicated to God, things will start to change. If you put the church on the right pedestal, things will start to change, not only in the church, but in your life, because we are the church. I'm thankful, thankful to those of you that has been faithful to the church and has not abandoned the church, but has continued to support the church and been faithful to us over these years. And let me finish up here. And they that believe were together and had all things common. Not one person rich living and high on the hog and the rest are scrambling in the dirt. No, they were able to help each other. And some sold their possessions and goods parted them to all men as every man had need. Now one of the reasons why some of them probably sold their goods and parted it is because they're expecting Jesus to return back soon. I'm guessing. And another reason is because they had the love of God. Why keep the things when I can sell it and help some people to enjoy this life? Amen? Amen. And they continue daily. Everybody, verse 46 and 47. And they continue daily with one accord. How often? Daily. My God, they love God. Daily. I know we can't do that, but they love God to continue daily. What are you saying? Are you available if everybody wants to come here daily? Yes. But what are you saying? Can you cut off the Sunday, um, Saturday night service? We got too much service, what are you saying? Let's stop the Wednesday night. Well, some of you already cut it off, but can you just knock it off so we don't feel like we're missing church? When I came to Canada, two minutes left. When I came to Canada, uh, we are in Dufferin Street. And that was 42 years ago. Um, Dufferin Street. You know, in those early days, we had church on a Saturday night. We had church at 1 o'clock on a Sunday. We had church at 7.30 on a Sunday night. We had something going on on a Tuesday. On a Thursday, we had daytime prayer meeting. And on a Wednesday, we had church. Let me try that again. Saturday night, Sunday, Sunday night, Tuesday and Thursday and Wednesday. Six services per week. And it was amazing. We had six services per week. Have we backslidden? Brother Gary, say it out loud. Yes. That's what we have. We are backslidden. And we expect God to do miracles. No, he's not going to do nothing. God is not... I almost said Barbadian. But God is, you know, back in Guyana, that's why we say he's not a Bajan. You can fool him. No, God is God. You want to prosper, then serve God right. Amen. You want to be like the tree planted by the river water, then do not walk in the counsel of the ungodly, nor sit in the seat of the scornful. Are you getting nervous because service is not running to an end and you got big World Cup? Man, I want to preach longer. And that is why I'm preaching longer today. Get you nervous. I'm going to finish now. It says, They continued daily in one accord in the temple, and breaking of bread from house to house, they eat their own meat. 
with singleness, they want to serve God. So whatever they had, they ate it with gladness and singleness of heart. Everybody, verse 47 together, praising God and having favor with people in the church and out of the church. And the Lord added, the margin says, daily those who were being saved. Let's pray. Father, we thank you today for another day in your house. We ask your blessing, O Lord, on this message, that it would challenge our lives, we pray. Thank you, Father, for helping us up to this point. Pray, continue to help us in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. We want to receive the regular Sunday afternoon offering, your tithes, your offering, whatever you have for the support of work of God.